This morning's reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, and beginning to read at verse 21, and it can be found on page 983 of the Church Bibles in front of you. So that's Matthew 16, verse 21. Jesus predicts his death. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for each other. We thank you for this incredible passage from Scripture. Lord Jesus, do what only you can do. Come and be with us. I pray that you heal the brokenhearted here, and I pray that, Lord God, you might break the hardened hearted. Do what only you can do, Lord God, and, and just be our great shepherd. Thank you for each other. Thank you for what we're going to be reading and looking at this morning. I pray that you may affect the preacher first, and may it go through me. And Lord Jesus, each one of us be better for meeting together this morning. For your name's sake, amen. Please keep your Bibles open. Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28. Of course, Matthew 16 hinges on three main questions. Who is Jesus Christ? What did he come to do? And what would be the cost to him and his followers to go strong and hard following after him? Last week, you looked at who Jesus Christ was. Peter had got it so right. You are the long-awaited Christ, the Son of the living God. He had got who Jesus was. But on the next two questions, he would get it so very wrong about what Jesus had come to do <coughs> and the cost of following hard after him. The fast part, he says, you are the Christ. Peter, my Father in heaven, Jesus says, has revealed this to you. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well done, Peter, you've got an A. Fantastic. The second part, you read through 
verses 21 to 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. My goodness. Now Jesus tells his disciples, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to be handed over, they will mock me, they will beat me, they will spit at me, they will whip me half to death, and then hang me on a cross to die. Now Peter, he goes to the Lord of the universe and he says, I have a better plan for you. What was Peter thinking that day? He goes to the Lord of the universe. Oh, I've I've got a better way. Peter could only see one piece of the puzzle. He couldn't see the great things that God had in store. Before the foundation of the world, this route had been planned out. Peter, you cannot know better than God. And there is no way that's better than God's plan. Nothing in life. Of course, Peter doesn't want to see his good, loving friend get through and be whipped and tortured and beaten. This is a very human response. But Peter's reaction, there must be an easier route. There must be an alternative than Jesus the Messiah going to a cross. He was thinking humanly, he was thinking, why would God send someone to die on a cross, do something so ungodly like dying? And if dying was necessary, why wouldn't he die on a battlefield? Oh, he couldn't work it out. He, like many of the Jews, thought the Messiah would come and rid them of the Romans would bring back the kingdom as it was under King David. But this is not God's plan. But Peter thinks he knows better. What does he? We could say like God said to Job, Peter, was you there when God laid the foundation of the earth? When he put the universe together? When he put the elements together? When he formed the animals and put mankind together? You want to instruct God. You think he is wrong. You think you know more than God. You think you've got a greater plan of salvation for the world than me. Peter, you think there's another way. You think the whole of the revelation of Scripture has been wrong, that foretold through the centuries the cry that the Messiah would come and the Lamb of God would be slain. The Christ must suffer and die as our substitute. He would be the one who would pay the wrath of God. Is there another Peter? Through Peter we're told, Satan was speaking. There's an easier way. And Jesus said, get behind me Satan. Jesus knew who was speaking through Peter. And he said, Peter you are so wrong. 
and my friends in sorrow, in joy, in sickness or health, in safety and peril, I want you to know that God always knows best. And for Peter, God knows best. And the clock is ticking away, we're told. And Satan's time is finished, but before that happens, within a few hours, Jesus Christ would be mocked and tortured and crucified and die. Peter said, this shall never happen to you. Don't have to do this. There is an easier way. Can you imagine if Peter, if Jesus had listened to Peter, what would have happened? You and I would have no hope this morning. For hundreds of millions of people down there, ages, no hope. There would be no gospel, no cross, no hope for the future, no sins forgiven, no relationship repaired with God Almighty. Your will above God's, Peter's. Jesus said, you're a stumbling block. You are not heavenly minded, Peter. Well, did Peter get it wrong that day? So very wrong. Then we come to the next verses. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit forfeit their life, their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? My goodness, what a passage. This speaks of being abandoned to the will of God. Whatever may come our way, You know, it's a real affront to the world to believe in the cross of Jesus. There are churches that I go to and I preach and they preach something like this. Come to Jesus and you'll be healthy and wealthy and get lots of respect and backpatting and nothing offensive. Just focus on the positive. Keep the cross out of your lifestyle and theology. But my friends, that's not biblical. That's not true Christianity. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you will not have trouble, not have sickness, not die. It doesn't mean that you won't be mocked or belittled or persecuted. Too many people want a cheap grace today, something for nothing. Peter was arguing that day for a crossless Christ. He cried, do not go to the cross Don't be beaten, don't be abused, don't die of pain, find an easy way out. But in Isaiah, that great book of Isaiah, it says, the fullness of the wrath of God was put upon Jesus on the cross. And I'm so very thankful that every last drop was put on him. That means that that not one drop is put on Paul Young. And that means that nothing can separate me from his presence because it's all been paid for because Jesus would go to the cross. Some people ask, well look, in a place like Brighton, why talk about right or wrong way to live? Why follow the narrow way? The answer to that is because Jesus asks us to. Churches that preach prosperity, health and a very pleasant lifestyle. It's just not true. 
There are times God has to prune us, start chipping away at everything that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And life can become very hard and painful. Sometimes you may suffer, you may lose your job for standing up for the things of Christ. I've heard lately of a number of people that stood up for the things of Jesus or wanted to be right morally and they've lost their job for it. Sometimes you become a Christian and you lose friends. But the wonderful things, he wants to give you better ones. You might lose everything to gain everything. Sometimes he takes you from a pleasant place and moves you to a slum and a place of darkness so that you will be the light there and bring fragrance of Jesus. What a wonderful thing that is. The cross that Jesus commands us to carry is the cross of submissive obedience to his will. Even if that includes suffering and hardships and things that we don't like, when we take up that cross and follow Jesus, we bring life to those that need it most, to the broken and the lost. And even though it might cost us everything to do it, we have abundant and eternal life to thank Jesus for. Jesus says, if you follow me, you will get scorned. Look at the scorn that Jesus went through. Nothing new there. What scorn he went through. We need to get over it, friends. It's not an easy lifestyle to follow Jesus. You're not going to fit into a society that is fallen and anti-Christian. Not totally. We take up the cross of Jesus any time we suffer in some way for identifying with him and his cause. It's a wonderful thing to be able to follow hard after Jesus. When our faith is more important than our lives, but we will be rewarded with eternal life. Yes, our Christian life involves sacrifice because Jesus must come first in our lives. We are to be like Jesus, selfless and obedient, even to the point of death, if need be, to follow hard after Christ, to take up your cross and follow him. So don't listen to the voices that tell you that Christianity should be popular. The world is not going to pat you on the back. It hated Jesus. They called him the son of Beelzebub. They're not going to say pleasant things about us. If they do, something is not fully right there. There's more Christian martyrs today in the last decade than ever before in history. Ever. More and more pressure on Christians to toe the line, to be politically correct. Not say anything that's going to rock the boat. And if we keep on this road, it will be a short time that Christianity will have nothing to say. How many times have you heard that the church needs to be politically right? It must relate to the culture around. My reaction to that is not if it's against the word of God. We must stand on the word of God. But praise God, the reign of Satan is on borrowed time. The king of kings is coming back. 
The power of hell is limited. The crooked ways will be made straight and the dark places will have the light of God shed upon it. No prison door can keep us captive. Christ came, he dealt with sin and my chains fell off. And hungry hearts get the fullness of Christ. This is good and wonderful news to a broken world. And that's what Brighton Hove needs. The message that Christ is upon the throne. We're raised out of obscurities. And our names, my friends, are written in the book of life. We're called to be witnesses to him. So that we would be part of that great army that is fulfilling the the orders of Jesus that says... The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a task. What a mission. Are we part of that? It's wonderful to hear about the the ministry going on in other parts of the world. It's wonderful that Bishop Hannington is a sending church. We need to be sending, sending, sending. But for those that hate God and love sin, they will mock us. They may despise us. They might even have a day that they will persecute us and kill us. But it's for a short moment. For life is very short and eternity is very, very long. And I'm not fearing, for I'm going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God. Then we get to the last bit of our passage this morning. Verse 27 says... For the Son of Man is coming, is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That generation believed that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime They lived it and breathed it. They prepared themselves for it. They lived as though time was very, very short and so should we. They invested in eternity, sent missionary after missionary. They loved and cared for each other. They gave and they gave. It says they will not taste death, Jesus said, until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. To see the To see means to see the kingdom coming. They would see Jesus resurrected. But they would also see the start of the kingdom as the Holy Spirit would come down at Pentecost. They saw it there at Pentecost. They were there and God came and he took up his kingdom. It's not a physical place. It's you and me. We're the kingdom of God. The third part of the Holy Trinity entered man and woman. He came to his kingdom. He entered a human body. And he entered you and me and gave us a job to tell the world. And in his power, he would dwell with us to complete this task. I will build my church and it will circle the globe. Christmas announced to us, God with us. Pentecost announced, God in us. And it won't 
and it came down and it went out like a pebble into water and it started spreading across the earth. So the kingdom began at the cross. And when the Holy Spirit was given to every believer, his kingdom was in you and in me. And it started to ripple out, not just to that generation, but to all generations. And it's the most exciting place on the face of the earth to be, in the will of God. Even facing death, it's better to follow God than lose everything, than to keep everything and lose God. Wherever he leads, whatever it costs, take up our cross and submit our lives to him. You know, many of you will know, I went from Bishop Annington and I went on to a missionary ship. And I'd not really read my Bible before properly, but here were people that were reading their Bible every day, that were witnessing every day, that had a burden for the loss. And I disciplined life and I thought, how can I get that? Then I met my wife, Wendy. She's here today, so I'll be very careful. (laughs) I met my wife, Wendy. And she was living in Australia. I was in England when we left the boat. She was over there and she used to send me love letters. I sent her some too. And Can you imagine if I just opened up a love letter and read one verse a day, then let it down, or a little bit, then put it down. And when I got that letter, I read every single little syllable of it. I was in love. I was in love with the author. That was the secret that these people that led a disciplined life for Jesus Christ had. They had fallen in love with the author. They loved the Bible. They loved the author of the Bible. They loved to pray to him. They loved to witness for him. How we need to fall in love with the author again. If we follow on his calling, what a journey. We see change. We put light into darkness. These 21 years has been phenomenal. Some of you have been following the progress over this time. What's happening in the schools is a miracle. The women at risk, the homeless. So many people that were broken that have had their lives put together. Those that were walking in darkness have seen a great light. As said before, too often I see churches trying to be palatable to everyone. It won't work, friends. It won't work. If you're arguing with God, oh, we don't want to take up our cross, you're in the wrong place. It's costly to follow him. What did Paul the Apostle say? He says this, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's Galatians 2.20. We die with him and we live with him by faith. Jesus died and rose again to save his church among all peoples. I will build my church. Now he calls us this morning. Will we join him in dying to the world and living to Christ? That we may win the peoples 
of this world for his name's sake. If you're after a Christianity that will give you peace, prosperity, constant wellness, you're barking up the wrong tree, friends. The book does not say that. Jesus died of pain and suffering. 11 out of 12 of the disciples died a terrible young death. But God loved them. A soft Christianity does not make sense. If you have a Christianity that's quiet and private, it does not work. The calling of all believers is to gossip and gossip and gossip the gospel to the ends of the earth, telling a fallen world there is hope. We all need to say, Jesus, whatever you have for my life, I want it. Lord God, if you want me in Peru, here I am. If you want me in Hove, here I am. If you want me as a school teacher or working test goes, here I am. If you want me as an athlete or on a sick bed, here I am. But that's so difficult, isn't it? So very difficult. About 15 years ago, I was rushed into hospital. I was bleeding and, and, and in a terrible state. They were doing tests upon tests. And you know, I was so angry with God. I had all these different talks to prepare, all these different places to go. And I was mad with God. There was a man next to me, in the bed next to me, and I felt pretty grim anyway. And suddenly his whole family came and they were all reading the Bible to him. And it was obvious he wasn't going to make it through. And they came over and said, oh, you know, we were just reading the Bible. I hope you don't mind. And I said, no, and of course not. I'm a Christian too. They were over the moon, absolutely over the moon. Well, later that evening, he started to, to go downhill. And I said to him, would you like me to, to read the Bible with you? So we started reading through Psalms, and I was reading through Psalms. And during that period, the Lord took him. The Lord took him that night. His family came and they were heartbroken that they wasn't with him when he died. But I said to him, well, it wasn't as good, but I was there reading the Bible and they said, you know, we have been praying for months and years that when he goes, somebody would be there reading the word of God. Oh God, I don't want to be in this hospital bed. You know, the funny thing is, the day after, all my illness just recovered. I was fine. They said, I can't find nothing wrong with you. But, God had me there, I believe, for that man in the bed next to me, that his family might be there, knowing that the scripture was read as he passed into the next life. But was I mad? Where you lead me, I'll follow. I may not have all the answers, God, but I'm going to follow you. Being in my home city is bizarre for me, being born and raised here, I didn't think I'd end up here. I'd rather live in Brisbane, Australia. But Wendy and I had such a strong calling of God to set up the ministry to the poorest of Brighton and Hove. And that calling has not left us. The bizarre thing is we work with the most poor daily and yet get the opportunities to go to Buckingham Palace to number 10. We're just about to become the Mayor's Charity again for this year. 
We meet with the police chiefs and the strategists and the council leaders. And let me tell you a little secret that they have. They have no answer to the problems of our city, to the sin and the death and the destruction and the loss. But we have. We have the answer. Oh yes, it's tough. It's real tough to stand for Jesus when you're a lone voice. I am not politically correct. Off the fence is not politically correct, but we are biblically correct. I notice at the start here, Jesus said it was the religious leaders that are going to hand us over. One of the largest problems we have within off the fence is with some of the interfaith groups, the religious people. They want us to join up with everything. And when I say off the fence, we'll not join up. They say, but it will show the council a united front. No. Peter declared, you are the Christ, not you are a Christ. Jesus said there is only one way, not many ways. I am aware that if off the fence though watered it down and simply said, he is one of many routes to heaven, he is a Christ, not the Christ, it would double our income overnight. It's costly. It's costly to stand against the tide, sitting in a forum, the only one against sinful lifestyles or practices. When we're in the different meetings, the devil is constantly on our back, but we carry our cross and stand on what is right and stand up for his word in this broken place. If we were just a social charity, we would triple the money. But we deal with social and spiritual side of men and women. And let me tell you, there is so much more spiritual poverty in this city than social poverty. Jesus saves us by death, by overcoming once and for all the power of sin. Sin no longer has the death grip over us. Christ makes it clear that God will forgive the sins if we confess and we repent and we desire so sincerely to follow hard after him. Christ makes us realise that we are the most precious creatures in creation. Creatures worth the Son of God dying for. How this city is desperate for that message. This city needs the real Christ. The Christ who went to the cross. Who said, if anyone be my disciples, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Just like Bishop Hannington done. He went out and gave everything. But look at the legacy he left behind. We need to be cross-centred. We need to be sending people. And when we do this, we will be society changers. An army on the move, set apart for God to change our streets, to change our neighbourhoods, our cities, our nations, to the uttermost parts of the world. Christians, take up your cross and follow after Jesus Christ for his name's sake. Amen.